They say that in life, only two things are certain, death and taxes. As the pandemic hit, it hastened the adoption of digital technologies and led to the boom of the Philippine digital economy. With Filipinos becoming more techie, can our tax law still adapt to the e-commerce bandwagon? From the perspective of taxpayers, tax-related questions always linger in our minds, such as, how broad is the scope of taxation here in the Philippines? Is my income earned online or through the internet taxable? How much and how will I pay? What happens if I do not pay my taxes? This is Prime Movers, a legal podcast that covers the latest and relevant trends and insights on Philippine legal issues and topics, expertly discussed and diluted down by the experienced legal team at Goriseta, Africa, Kauton, and Saavedra. Again, this is Prime Movers. For our sixth episode, let's welcome Goriseta partner Vincent Paul L. Saavedra, as we traverse the road where taxation and the digital economy meet. Hi everyone, and welcome to the sixth episode of Prime Movers. This is Edrian Apaya, partner at Goriseta and a member of litigation, labor, data privacy, and real estate practice groups of the firm. Let us all welcome our guest for today, one of the named partners at Goriseta, attorney Vince Saavedra. Hi, Ed. Uh, hi, everyone. Thank you for having me today. Attorney Vince, before we dig deeper into our main topic, let's give our listeners a brief background about Philippine taxation. How would you define or characterize Philippine tax? Well, Ed, the power of taxation is the broadest power of the state. It is the power or what we call the lifeblood of the government. It is an enforced contribution levied or collected by the state by virtue of its sovereignty on persons or property within its territorial jurisdiction. It is usually used to support uh, the government and all public needs. It can be imposed on income, such as income tax, in which case it is imposed on any wealth that flows into the taxpayer other than a mere return of capital or on a privilege to transact such as a donor's tax among others. But why does the state impose taxes? I think it is important for our listeners to understand and know the logic behind this imposition. Because normally, as taxpayers, we are cynical about paying taxes. Well, there are several reasons or theories propounded to justify the imposition of tax by the state. But I think the main reason is the lifeblood theory which I mentioned earlier. Under this theory, the power to tax is indispensable to the existence of the government because the government needs a contribution of its citizens in order to function and operate and defer government expenditures. Under the ability to pay approach, the taxes are based on a taxpayer's ability to pay. There is no quid pro quo, so to speak, and taxes are seen as a sacrifice by the taxpayers to shoulder the expenses of the government. Another justification is the benefit-received theory or principle where it provides that the people should pay taxes based on or proportional to the benefits they receive from the government. Here in the Philippines, our tax laws are generally a combination of these theories, with our lawmakers aiming to maximize the benefits from these theories. From what you mentioned, Attorney Vince, 
it seems that taxation is a powerful tool for the reallocation of resources from private individuals or entities to the greater public. Now the question is, who are required to pay taxes? Is everyone required to contribute and be taxed? Well, every individual, regardless of financial status or occupation, is taxed by the government one way or another. That is how broad the state power is. Under our tax code here in the Philippines, Filipino citizens residing within the country are taxed on income earned in the Philippines or abroad. While on the other hand, Filipino citizens residing abroad, including our OFWs and foreigners, are only taxable for their income derived or earned within the country. Although the tax code exempts minimum wage income earners from paying income tax, they are paying a different kind of tax. For example, buying food and essentials and the groceries would mean that some form of tax, that is the value-added tax or VAT, is being levied by the state. In the case of VAT, it is the buyer or the consumer that ultimately shoulders the burden of these taxes. So in application, all sales executed, services performed, and all other income earned in the Philippines is subject to taxation. To further emphasize the wide reach of the state's power to tax here in the Philippines, the tax code actually provides that all income from whatever source is taxable unless otherwise excluded or exempted by the law. In short, this was designed to cover all kinds of income, even those from illegal sources. Unironically, this principle was actually applied in the United States around the 1920s to 1930s. During that time, the then gangster Al Capone was running the streets of Chicago and piling up bodies through acts of violence, all pointing to Al Capone. Unfortunately, the federal agents could not make any charges of violence stick against him. It got so serious, in fact, that in 1930, Capone was even dubbed as public enemy number one. To catch Capone, the federal agents quickly built a case against him, and eventually he was sent to jail not for criminal charges of violence, as there was no evidence of it, but rather in tax evasion. Nice! That is really an interesting story. Indeed, the power of taxation is really broad and far-reaching. Now, knowing all these things, what is its relevance then to our current situation, specifically on the emergence of the digital economy? Will these concepts still be applicable? As we all know, and as discussed by Attorney Mark in our pilot episode, this pandemic has caused the acceleration of transformation of the Philippines' digital economy. Of course, Ed, the Philippines' internet penetration sits at 81% out of a total population of over 110 million, one of the highest in Southeast Asia. Filipinos are among the largest consumers of social media content. In fact, there are approximately 76.2 million active social media users in the country, most of whom are on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Filipinos also spend nearly 10 hours online daily, with 3.5 hours spent on social media alone. With apparent shift to the digital market as can be seen from these statistics, our tax laws are actually equally, if not most relevant, than ever. 
Professionally speaking, Attorney Vince, since you are an expert in the field of taxation, have you really felt this shift? Oh yes, actually. We all know that taxation affects every business transaction. And since our firm is one of the leading law firms in the field of tech law, our firm's tax department works hand-in-hand -hand with the tech team to address the unique and innovative business models of the tech businesses. In fact, even during the early development stage of the tech industry, and even before the pandemic, we have already been engaged to handle tax audits, tax planning, restructurings, and advisory of emerging tech companies. Even the traditional companies have to adapt to these changes. Of course, we have to be able to address the transition as well. To be more accurate with my answer, this pandemic has actually widened our client base, specifically in the field of technology. Pandemic has left Filipinos with no other choice but to think of creative ways to earn income. And that is where the doors for electronic commerce open, taking advantage of the available technologies we have. Well, I couldn't agree more. The pandemic made people get used to doing online shopping, live selling, and the sorts. Considering these matters, the next question is, are these transactions in the digital economy still within the ambit of our current tax laws? Considering that when the tax law was drafted, there was yet no digital economy to speak of? Or do we need a new legislation to address its complexities? Well, our current tax laws can still address some of the tax matters in the digital economy. This is with a caveat that our legislators are currently in the proposal stage for the amendment of the tax code. So as to clearly address the nuisances. But let's reserve this discussion for another episode. Going back, as proof that our current tax laws are still applicable, the Philippine Bureau of Internal Revenue has already issued a few regulations to remind and guide digital income earners about their responsibilities as taxpayers. Can you elaborate more on this, Attorney Vince? Well, as early as 2013, the BIR already issued Revenue Memorandum Circular or RMC number 055-13, providing for guidelines on the taxation of online businesses, setting out and specifying the tax obligations of such businesses under current tax laws and regulations. However, it covers only online shopping and retail, online intermediary services, online advertisements, and online auctions, and does not yet impose additional taxes on online businesses. Heightened by the increase in online and digital transactions brought about by the pandemic, the BIR, again, issued in 2020 Revenue Memorandum Circular Number 60-2020 to remind all persons earning income through digital means such as the use of electronic platforms and media to ensure that their businesses are registered and that they are tax compliant. It also provided a deadline on the registration or the updating of their registration without any penalty. This covers partner sellers, merchants, payment gateways, delivery channels, internet service providers, and other facilitators. Just last year, the BIR issued Revenue Memorandum Circular Number 97-2021 to address the issue on the taxability of any income earned by social media influencers. In the said RMC, the BIR enumerated revenues earned by influencers which are subject to income tax and clarified the applicability of business taxes such as the VAT, 
on the receipt of revenue. In the said RMC, the BIR also provided a list of expenses which can be used by influencers as itemized allowable deductions or they may opt to apply the OSD or optional standard deduction as provided by the tax code. Lastly, the BIR reiterates that just like any other income earners, influencers are required to register with the BIR and comply with all tax filings and record-keeping requirements. There are definitely a lot of movements and changes in tax, given the tax reform efforts of the government as of late. And it was good to see how alongside it, there is this digital economy that grows. Certainly, there are a lot of complexities given the uncertainties of the time. So, as a prime mover, I'd like to ask you, do you think that the government is supportive of the developments in space? And how likely is it for tax to be used as an enabler rather than as a burden on this budding sector of the economy? Well, this is definitely moving forward. Even the national government is keen on the development of this space. In the recent SONA or State of the Nation address of President Ferdinand Marcus Jr., he made mention of the need to adjust our current tax system and impose value-added tax on digital service providers. As a background, there are principles in VAT, specifically the destination principle, which provides for the jurisdictional reach of value-added taxes. Basically, tax is territorial and we can only tax those within our jurisdiction or those consumed here in the Philippines. It makes sense, therefore, to impose taxes on income of foreign entities which are derived or earned here in the Philippines. As a tax practitioner, this shows that the president and the national government are keenly aware of the developments in this space, the magnitude of its potential contribution to our economy, and are really looking into it. It would be interesting to see how this will develop. As a firm, we are keenly observing these developments and its impact on the current principles of taxation because, of course, this would have an impact on our clients. I think, as my last point, as taxpayers, we have to entertain these movements with an open mind. Yes, tax is a burden, but looking at it from a bigger perspective, we will definitely benefit from these one way or another. Thank you so much for your time, Vince. I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot from our episode today. You're welcome, Ed. Again, uh, thank you for having me. It's, it's a pleasure and uh, good day. And that is it for our sixth episode of Prime Movers. We hope you enjoyed and learned from our discussion.